1969. The, uh, the album is How Can You Be in Two Places at Once When You're Not Anywhere at All. The artist is the Firesign Theater. And my guest this week is Phil Hendry. Thanks for being here. Thanks very much, Jason. It's a great album. And uh, when did you first hear it, I guess, is a question of one. You know, that, that's really interesting. You, you said it was 69 when it was released. I don't, think I, I don't think I listened to the whole thing through until maybe 1970 or 71. I was, I believe, out of high school. Maybe I was still in high school. Mm -hmm. But um, Firesign Theater had been on local Los Angeles radio and they were doing a show at night on Sunday nights on KRLA called Radio Free Oz, O-Z. Right, yeah. And uh, that group of guys that was led by Peter Berg, who I believe has since passed on, um, then uh, morphed into this Firesign Theater, which uh, became a, um, a live uh, improv group. I, I, or not improv, a live uh, comedy theatrical group. But mm -hmm. I, I always consider them first and foremost recording artists. You know, I, I can't even imagine what they must have been like on stage yeah that's one thing that's always kind of uh even after speaking with phil proctor a couple times i still don't quite get a feel for what their live out what their live shows were like as compared to this because it's the best produced outside of like and it's it's the, i would say the content's more sophisticated obviously than cheech and chong but mm -hmm. uh the production value is uh, i'll put them both at about the same level it's really just gorgeous sounding stuff and it's you know it's just for a whole twenty eight minute side it's it's nonstop sound effects and atmosphere and that's one yeah. of the great things about them yeah and obviously they're in character and they're doing a multitude of characters and uh, this is a, a Columbia release and mm -hmm. Columbia Records was the same label as in those days the Birds Bob Dylan they they were very familiar with um, I don't know what you'd call you know uh, alternative rock and roll and, right. and the, the, the underground and so on. So they had the the benefit of all of that. All these guys were from L.A., but I'm not sure I know where this was recorded. Uh, was it recorded in New York or I was or I was trying to Angeles? figure that out myself actually. Yeah. Uh, I, as far we, at one point we are going to be going down each of the pretty soon we're going to be recording uh, standalones about each and every Firesign album with Phil Proctor telling us what it was like making them. So I guess we'll discover oh. more then. So that'll be oh, fun. Oh, dude, I'm, I look forward to that. Yeah, Absolutely, that's going to be great. A little uh, side note: I, I used to work at KNX FM in Los Angeles, which was at Columbia Square. That was at the corner of Sunset Boulevard and uh, Gower. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was told that that was, before it was the uh, radio station and, and the television station, it was Columbia Records in Los Angeles, and uh, that there were certain sessions done there for Columbia artists, including uh, Dylan. So it's entirely possible that these guys were, you know, in L.A. when they did them. Right, right. Yeah, that, that, that would make the most sense. Well, what mm -hmm. I want to sort of get a feel for you know again it's one of the things that i'm going to have to ask him about is how long this kind of stuff took who oh, no kidding you know and i don't yeah. know if there were any like live sound effects because it's a lot of it's <laughs> way too produced but uh except for the the nick danger thing is all the sound effects are kind of obvious and intentionally kind of stilted yeah yeah and and uh do you think uh, it's been a while since i've heard the nick danger bit but the movie that they're satirizing, which not Casablanca, I said uh, Casablanca, I meant Maltese Falcon. Oh, right, right, right. Um, I, I I wonder if that was a comment on how you know ridiculously stilted all of those films seemed to all of us at the time, because there's a generation of young people that are today reacting to the '70s and the '80s and the '90s. Back then, we were reacting to a lot of the TV stuff we saw. In other mm -hmm. words, 
you know, on Saturday morning, we'd get up and get our Cheerios, and the only thing that was on television was a rerun movie, and it was generally something like Casablanca or Maltese Falcon or, or Laurel and Hardy. So that was uh, obviously a place where you'd mine, you know, your satire in those days. For sure, for sure. And it, it, there's this uh, obvious mix of reverence and irreverence for the same stuff, which is, I think, right. might throw some people off nowadays if they don't... They, they want to know... They want their satire to be obvious, and they don't want it to have any... Uh, I don't know. It's you know if that makes any sense. They want their they want it to be a little too. Um, they don't want any gray area where. Well, you know. I, I I hate to sound like the old guy, you know, because I I see so much that's really funny these days. Um, but I, I would to comment on that, um, Jason. I'd say that there was a time, and uh, I forget where I was reading this. It might have been something to do with the Greenwich Village, where artists would say to each other, well, what is he doing now? What is she doing now? Mm-hmm. And they didn't, they didn't mean, does he have a deal or is he making money? They meant, let's go see what crazy stuff is being done because that's what it was all about. It didn't really matter who knew. Sure. Uh, it mattered, are you pushing the boundaries? And so the satire from them, from then was all it's like Andy Kaufman. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, people got a little irritated with him that he wouldn't let anybody in on the joke, you know. <laughs> right. That's what he thought was so much fun. And um today I think uh because everything is so uh about marketing it and uh entrepreneurial, you know, efforts at, at making, you know, the dollar sure that everybody wants to do whatever they can to to make things obvious. I, I run into that in my own, you know, way, people saying, well, why don't you have on guests, and why don't you do... <laughs> well, I... I it, first of all, I wouldn't be very good at it, and second of all, it's, it wouldn't be very interesting, but... Yeah, so, I, I, mean, I what you, that's, a, that's a great point you make. But uh, it, that, that's funny, though, the idea that anybody would nitpick what you're doing. Is it easier for you now that you're basically independent, though? Are oh, you doing yeah. much more like that? Does it feel more like... Uh, Art is, or is that too I, yeah. much? Uh, no, I'm having more fun today than I've ever had in my life, mm-hmm. and uh, in, in and it's weird because there's a lot of people who think the high point of my my act was when we were fooling phone callers on talk radio, right? And, and I suppose, um, yeah, it, it's a wonderful thing to um, eavesdrop in on someone who is getting you know hoodwinked. Sure, um, having to do that, the actual um, the effort each day to paint that canvas was pretty difficult and it was going against talk radio in other words the show was not going to be successful on any talk station because you were basically saying now that you've listened to you know eight or nine hours of talk radio here's a show that's completely against it and turns it on its head <laughs> yeah and you know it's kind of like here's why you're a schmuck for listening right to it. right yeah so i i i think that that show is I don't know how to put it, but I think it's just sort of contained in that moment of time. What we're doing now, the improv that I do now, and and the fact that it's not married to any topicality necessarily, mm-hmm. and the fact that it's completely improv and I can do anything I want, say anything I want, and the fact that we're making a living doing it is beyond anything I could hope. So. Oh yeah, yeah. I, yeah. The, 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 the the big difference too is, I, I actually I haven't really asked anybody's perspective on this. I mean, if 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 you look at the twenty some albums that the Fire Sign guys put out. This is this mm-hmm. is something that you're spending I don't know how much time with. Let's say at least a year spending time writing it, performing it, tweaking it, recording it, producing it, releasing it, maybe doing a little publicity, trying to sell it, trying to pimp it for lack of a better word. You've got right. all this and then at the end of the year you've got this one thing. Whereas somebody yeah. who's a podcaster or a broadcaster of any kind You've got how many, uh, you know, how many hours a week? Yeah. You know, 
it, it it's can like be doing a live. It's like doing a live. It's like doing comedy. Mm -hmm. uh, well, not really. It's not. It's not like because it's not a. Even comedians will have the set. They'll have their set. It's very sure. tight. They work on it, and it's the same set. And mm -hmm. theater's the same way. This is constantly changing. So, um, it. Uh, you you know if you're not holding on to this stuff and archiving it and cataloging it. Yeah. It, it goes away, and yeah. uh, maybe there's a beauty in that. I don't know. But Firesend, getting back to, to Firesend Theater, and what you just said is really dead on, man. Um, and it's the very thing that I don't like about maybe television or movies or anything is that you have to spend all of this time waiting to see if what you did is any good. You know? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. And uh, how much fun is that? Not much, I don't think. <laughs> I mean, I guess you just keep doing other things you can ask phil about that too when you talk to him you know you just keep mm -hmm. doing other things and hoping that the last thing that you did you know one thing to mention jason Firesign theater came out at a time when comedy albums uh, i would say underground comedy was getting airplay on progressive rock what came to be known as album rock stations so right. when we were kids and we flipped on an fm station and we're hearing the music then you'd hear dropped into the middle of it in a set you'd hear a bit from Firesign theater you'd hear a credibility gap bit mm -hmm. you'd, you'd hear bonzo dog band or frank zappa uh you might even hear a little um uh, monty python sure and and you know that is that isn't happening anymore anywhere mm -hmm. as far as i know no I, I, I did you okay so have you been in i i apologize for not knowing have you been in la in in los angeles your whole life or did you grow up yeah. elsewhere I, I grew up in los angeles I grew up in L.A. through my early 20s, then I mm -hmm. went down to Florida and uh, was working in construction work, but I got into radio down there and I spent okay. the next six years, yeah, and then I came back to L.A. for 11 years and then went back out on the road doing talk radio and came back most recently in 96. It's kind of like playing baseball, you know, you do your single A and double A and triple right. A before you make it to the majors, so... I, I only ask because did you ever listen to or have access to KMDY radio? Because... Um, I heard about it, but I never did. I think that was mm -hmm. the 90s. Am I yeah, right about that? Yeah, I think so. I think because yeah. uh, the, the gentleman who came on to talk about it, who used to listen to it all the time, he didn't pick an album. He said, I want to talk about this radio station. And it kind of, okay. that blew my mind. But it is one of those things that might have been the last time where comedy had really any presence outside of a bunch of guffawing hosts. And that's, yeah. you know what I mean? That's Which yeah. is, and I... I don't know if it's because it's not sale. Maybe because people aren't buying comedy albums and it's n it's not a priority. Hiya, friends. Ralph Sportsport. Ralph Sportsport Motors, the world's largest new use and used automobile dealership. Ralph Sportsport Motors here in the city of Emphysema. Let's just look at the extras on this fabulous car. Wire wheel, spoke fenders, two-way sneeze through, wind vents, stars on mudguard, sponge coated, edible steering column, chrome fender dents, and factory air conditioned air from our fully factory equipped air conditioned factory. It's a beautiful car, friends, with doors to match. Birch's blacklist says this automobile was stolen, but for you, friends, a complete price only $500 in easy money payments for the week, twice a week, and never on Sunday. Well, I'll take it. I'll take it. I can't wait to get away from it all. Well, okay, fine. Let's just take a look inside your beautiful new home. Come on in. Thanks. As you can see, this car has been fully equipped with a complete line of extras designed with your mind in mind. Here, for instance, an all-weather climate control in red, blue, or green with a special oxygen danger indicator level. Gee whiz. And here, of course, your own personal remote control picture-sized color TV with matching brass knobs. Just reach above the bar and press the button right there under the handy laminated imitation mason at Wild West Gun Rack with a look of real wood for the channel of your choice. Do you miss being able to... Not that you can't buy a comedy album nowadays. However, it's not an event. It's not the same thing it used to be. 
I, I don't know the, um, I got into this argument, I got into one of the most Sisyphean arguments one can get into. It was a Twitter argument with some brain surgeon who was going on and on about, uh, oh, I don't know, employment. I said, well, do you realize that there has been a massive, and I mean massive, industry uh, sea change, as well as an, a massive change in where audience is and workforce, if you want to get down to it. So what has happened in the last 15 years is... Uh, unprecedented since perhaps the Industrial Revolution. Mm -hmm. We have all of these new businesses that have started. We have an industry, radio, which is on the verge of extinction. Right. We have uh, live performance is back, man. I mean, the money that is being made for doing live performance, who would ever thought? Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's enormous. We have all of these individual entrepreneurial uh, comedians, historians, news commentators, actors, historians, people such as yourself, Jason, making a living doing these podcasts. Mm -hmm. um, so the, the, the comedy, the, the, the transmission of comedy, the, uh, the uh, dissemination of comedy is completely different. Um, do I miss the time when a, a comedy album would come out and was an event? I mean, what rock and roll album comes out anymore that's really a that's fucking event, true. man? You that's know what I'm saying? True. Sure. I mean, they try to make it. That, I mean, Drake, you know, came out. They, he doesn't call it an album. It's called a mixtape, you know. And, right. And, and and Kendrick Lamar, uh, to my, that's about the biggest thing that's happened in music as far as I'm concerned over the last, uh, you know, year or so. And it ain't been all that big of a deal because it's about individual tracks, individual downloads, individual events, mm -hmm. as opposed to, you know, um, do I miss the album, the comedy album? Not really. Um, I like the five minutes, six minutes, ten minute, even 20 minute hit and run um, moment. Um, some things don't lend themselves to it, sure. You know, like like Twitter, but anyway. Right. Getting back to Fire Sign. Yeah. I, I, what do you have a favorite track off of here? Let's let's start. Yeah, my, my my favorite track is. I guess it's not on there, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. Uh, my favorite track is, and you can ask Phil about this, and he'll probably say Henry's stupid. Um, <laughs> it was how the West was lost, and it is a hysterical. Um, uh, uh, you know, a retelling of uh, uh, the European American landing and and uh, eventually taking over this country, but there this this landmass. But the it opens with a you know Columbus landing on the shore, and there's a priest there holding up a cross uh, to all these Indians, mm -hmm. and he says, uh, you know, uh, get on your knees, heathens. Do you know what this is that I'm holding in front of you? And the Indian responds, why, yes, that's a cross, a symbol of the division of the universe into active and passive principles. Why, you heathens. Uh, <laughs> I don't know whether that's subtle satire or whether that's fairly well transmitted, but uh, right. that, to me, that's the intelligence of uh, Firesign Theater in and of itself. Um, we're all bo you know what it might have been we're all uh we're all bozos on this bus. Ah, yep, okay. That that does Are you seeing that, it there? That tracks. I was just looking <laughs> it up as we were talking about it, yeah. which I do have. I have that album. I, I uh, I'll have to give it a listen after we, yeah. we do yeah. this, but um That's where I messed up, dude. I'm so sorry, but no, um no, no. I I now I now know why I remember all hail Mark's Lennon. It's because of Nick Danger. Okay. And Rocky Rococo and mm -hmm. uh, you know. <laughs> you know all of that goofy stuff and and uh, uh, Rocky Rococo, Nick Danger, 
And I don't even know if there was a female voice in that or not. Uh, f- some fake ones. Uh, okay. Definitely. <laughs> well done by the guys. <laughs> yeah, fan- they're yeah. really fantastic and kind of really, really ridiculous, which is what, like, the, they, yeah. they at least, they know their lack of range when it exists. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And they really like uh, to play with that. I have to ask you, um, given your age and your generation and your, you know, your your experience and what you've passed through, does it, is that is that funny to you, listening to those guys? Are it they is. funny? Yo, it absolutely is. it is. But I, I will say when I first heard them, and that mm-hmm. was probably, and it was this album that we're sort of talking about, is, uh, I was, God, I was 13 at the time, so mm-hmm. I didn't, I mean, here's, it, it, I didn't get it. <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll fully admit I did not get it. It was passed on to my my best friend by his dad, and I would listen to. And he's like, "This is great," and I'm like, "Okay, I don't understand what the hell is going on here." Only right. only recently once I've I have an appreciation for a production values. B I've got a little more knowledge of of the period now. Now it it rings true. It's I mean here's the thing. This I know why I didn't get it. This album is insane. The first 28 minutes <laughs> is nonstop. Makes zero. I mean it is uh-huh. kind of like the speed with which you do your show like just that rapid fire but then add sound effects add other dudes doing voices uh it's, right, it's yeah. kind of crazy it's it's and so it's upsetting if you're 13 <laughs> well I, these guys were a major influence on me mm-hmm. um they were a huge influence on me by by way of the pacing just like you said by the reality the the reality they brought to it uh, not reality in the strictest sense but the reality of theater sure um and that theater of the mind i don't i i can't say when i was a kid anybody if they'd ask me if, you know do you like theater of the mind do you <laughs> well i like i like audio i mean i i i like the idea of being able to control all the elements yeah. and you can only do that with with uh, audio but these cats what they did um, forevermore influenced how I wanted to hear things. It's like a Mad Magazine um, feel, or, you know, or, or, or something a bit zanier than that. Um, lots and lots of cartoon effects and and a, a, a really smart kind of cartoon, I guess. Did you hear these guys before you knew of Monty Python? I'm just curious. Yes, yes, I did. I did. See, that's all. Um, I feel like because it's roughly the same time period and the the fanaticism with which people, including myself, love Monty Python, yeah. Firesign gets dro- drowned out. Oh, no question, because Monty Python was brilliant for a very simple reason. And it's something that I've learned the hard way, but I've learned it. It's far more fun to satirize everyday events and uh, everyday oddities and everyday characters than it is to uh, be smarter, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I put that in quotes, and satirize politics, the nation, you know, the culture, which Firesign Theater was all about that. They were all about satirizing. What was happening in America at that time was was insane, you know. Sure. uh, England, probably a bit more sedate, you know. Sure. Um, And and so uh, Monty Python reflected that. They reflected the, the... the, they reflected their horror, if you will, at the passing generation before them. You know, mm-hmm. God, rest, God, God rest their souls. You know, they came through the London blackout and, and the Nazis, so they, we can forgive them. But yeah, Monty Python still sort of mocked, you know, them in their gentle way. And, and, and I think that's why they survive. Because what they deal with, the Bureau of Silly Walks... Uh, the Bureau of Arguments, the joke that kills you. Uh-huh. This, this shit doesn't get old, man. No, you know? no. It's just for real. And just like my son, Chris, my uh, third oldest stepson, Chris, 
as, as soon as I turned him on to Monty Python, he got it right away, man. Sure, sure. Just right away, you know, like yourself. So I, I think that was that hurt me, you know, as an artist, man, having to uh, grow up in a culture that was really hitting the political satire hard. Because mm -hmm. I wasn't really good at that shit. And when I got into talk radio, that's what was really expected because the guy before you was just talking about what a piece of shit Obama was or whatever. Right. And then I had to come back in and sort of make all of that tie all that stuff together. Now I'm, that I'm doing what I'm doing now, I'm far more um, involved in what I think really is fun, and that is the, the Monty Python approach. So I'm not knocking Firesign Theater. Sure, those sure. guys, those cats are smart, yep. um, you know, college-educated American satirists. But I, I, I think I've, um, at this point in my life, I've about had it up to here with, you know, uh, looking at the political landscape. And I would much rather take a look at uh, people, you know. Sure, absolutely. And yeah. the, the one thing that struck me listening to this again is that uh, is actually the one, I won't say the one thing, but uh, one of the strongest ties it has with Monty Python is, therefore, is one of the things that made me laugh the hardest is just making fun of the idea of austerity because they were kind of picking apart a lot of the shit that their own parents had given them. Yeah. But maybe yeah. not all that specifically. It's like the idea, just the idea of making fun of TV, just yeah. even in the background or anything, any of the pop culture or any of the culture, they mm -hmm. were just tearing apart the shit that was passed down to them, the stuff that had run downhill. So it was similar but I, yeah. I, I see what you're saying, that it's maybe it's a little more literate or a little bit more, uh, like you say, a little more Ivy League. Even though Monty Python yeah. was Ivy League, they weren't drawing from the same well. Yeah, Monty Python was Cambridge and super educated. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, these guys, uh, I, I can't say specifically Firestone. I know the guys Credibility Gap and, and Spinal Tap, all those dudes are Yale guys, you mm -hmm. know. Um, right. Uh, uh, yeah, you know. And so there was a lot. America's a big place, man. It, it, it occupies a big place uh, in the history of this world now. And so there's a lot to deal with. And we all pick the big things. You know, every time we go into a, a store or into a supermarket, or we look, oh, wow, there's the watermelon and there's the big thick steaks. And we go after what's big and, and, and targetable. Uh, we miss, as Americans, I think, the richer subtext. Just a friendly word of advice, Danger. Yeah? What? Don't go sticking your big nose into police business. Sure, Lieutenant. Is that all? No. Don't talk with your mouth full. Okay, Bradshaw. And don't fidget while I talk to you. Sure, and Lieutenant. And stop dragging mud across my nice Okay. When I hit the street, the rain had already turned L.A. into a mud river. It was a short swim down Alvarado to my convertible. I had to get to Santa Barbara in a big hurry. As I whipped onto Mulholland Drive, the lights were just twinkling on across the San Fernandino Valley. I could barely make them out through the driving rain. Then a hard ride down Big Tajunga Canyon. My tires squealed as I hit Sepulveda. A right, a left, a left, another right, a left of the body, a right, and into a gas station. Hey, Pop! All right, all right, hold your horses, I'm coming. Hey, yeah. Uh, where am I? You can't get there from here. But I'm looking for the same old place. Oh, you must mean the old same place, sonny. It's right out back. Here's the key. Jonathan Winters was a genius because he did mock the average Midwesterner. Mm -hmm. um, everyone loved George Carlin for his literacy. Sure. But I got to be honest with you, as much as I love and respect George Carlin, Jonathan Winters is a guy that has my heart. 
Uh-huh. You know, uh, he I, I I I pissed myself listening to Jonathan Winters <laughs> and Monty and Monty Python. Yeah. Um, I used to piss myself listening to Fireside Theater anytime they just got into those marvelous characterizations. But um, the political satirists, like the Mort Sauls and cats like that, I don't know who we have now, you know, um, don't quite get my uh, attention anymore. Mm-hmm. And I know that we're way off of Fireside Theater. And no, I, no, I, no. I, it's, I, it's thematically I, we're there. Yeah. I think, I think Fireside, their theater on record and live, uh, having not seen it live, but I imagine the theater that they brought to comedy had never been there before, man. I mean, they'd never. It, the, the, the crazy, multifaceted, multi-character, caricature kind of, of and, and the literacy of it, and as you mentioned, and the, um, and, and the subversiveness of it mm-hmm. had, never, had never really been uh, done before on a big stage. And um, that's more than anything else, I think, what makes them so influential, and especially me, man. I mean, uh, I can say all this bullshit I want about Monty Python, but I'm far more influenced by the presentation mm-hmm. and the theater of a Firesign Theater. Well, and that's the big thing, too, is even if yeah. even if the the reference... Actually, honestly, I w- wouldn't even call it reference-heavy. Even if some of it's beyond you, or mm-hmm. uh, there's so much production that it, it is... It, uh, uh, the, the second half of it is an homage to and a picking apart of, like, literal radio drama literal radio and theater of the mind the first half is no this is what 1969's version of radio ought to be doesn't exist except for on our album but it's just it's a fucking mind fuck and it makes (laughs) zero sense it's a whirlwind of borderline references uh the satire is at at the same time subtle like literally and figuratively sometimes you can't hear the shit they're saying and you're like fuck i have to listen closer now yeah. Uh, well, let, give me you know? give me a, give me an example of that first side so I can uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. call it back a little bit. Well, it opens uh, up with uh, um, shit. Give me one second. It opens up with the uh, the car salesman whose name is very funny. Hi, Ralph Sportsport here. Ralph Sportsport Sport. Is that the guy? Yeah, Ralph Sportsport. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. He's that's a satirization <laughs> of Ralph Williams. There yes, was a right. guy like that. Yeah, bald Ralph Williams. Yeah. Beautiful. Everybody knew who Ralph Williams was. Everybody just couldn't go anywhere in L.A. without knowing Ralph Williams. Yeah. And the characterization's good enough that you don't like. I didn't. Didn't have. I, I think I read that, but I didn't know it instinctively. But yeah. it still works so well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know the car salesman today. Cats on uh, TV today um, are just not quite the um, the salesman, the car salesman we used to have. They were colorful, wacky guys, and so they made their way into it. The only guy that was left here in L.A. was Cal Worthington, and that poor man uh, is so old now, you know, it's just not worth it. So that's definitely something that's gone, man. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was fire sign. And the, yeah, that's another thing, too, by the way. They uh, didn't seem to, and I like this, they didn't seem to worry that they were being a little bit regional there mm-hmm. um you know it it was in their world and they went ahead and they commented on it and um it's the same thing i grew up with all kinds of new york references when i was a kid watching tv or listening to the radio all i ever heard about was new york sure yeah. new york this new york that i swear to god i didn't know anything about new york but all these guys yeah I'm just like down in brooklyn you know <laughs> uh, but it was funny anyway you know sure. the people were funny and that fishbowl that uh, you were looking at was really something else do you know what the first thing you ever heard of Fire Signs was? The first thing I ever heard of Fire Sign was probably uh, Radio Free Odds when they were on uh, evenings. Okay, okay. Um, uh, Sunday nights on, um, um, and I think it had something to do with, they did a lot of stuff uh, when it came to uh, uh, Native Americans. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, they were doing a bit on how hippies were the reincarnated <laughs> hip, the hippies of the day were reincarnated Native Americans. Oh my God! <laughs> and then sooner or later, there'd be a scalping frenzy uh, somewhere in San Francisco. <laughs> so, you know, all of this peace and love was happening at the time, and uh, Firesign was, you know, warning people that. Uh, if you think hippies are scary now, uh, they're going to be wearing scalps from their belt. <laughs> oh, my God. Months. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, was that disrespectful to Native people? I don't know. I, you know, it was more of a commentary on the, um, uh, the any, people buying into this peace love thing. That was the yeah. other thing about the comics of the time. Fire sign, credibility gap, whoever, Lenny Bruce, mm-hmm. none of them respected really respected the so-called peace-love ethic of the contemporary hippie. I mean, while it sounded good and it made for great teeny, you know, bubblegum music, they all uh, laughed at it. Sure. And uh, and that was, and Frank Zappa too. That's another guy who, you know, we don't give him enough credit as if Frank Zappa, I'm sure, and we can, we could talk about this another day or just something to think about. Frank Zappa, great musician though he was and mm-hmm. he always wa- and he wanted to be known as a great musician he was serious as a musician yeah his genius was the fact that he was the satirist of that era and he was on a parallel track there was rock and roll over there and frank zappa was riding along the side just ripping it to pieces yeah. you know just mocking uh, brutally mocking it and it was hysterical yeah <laughs> It was marvelous. I, I, that's that's one of the and we definitely should because I'll be honest, my my experience with uh, Frank Zappa is very limited. So it would be fun mm-hmm. to delve into that because, especially to talk about people who are uh, who represent a change and who function as a change, but don't really get to function maybe as themselves. If 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 that yeah. makes any sense, like just yeah. I'm I'm here to make a change, and l- yeah. let's hope that's enough. Great point, because I think if Frank Zappa were here, and I did interview him once, mm-hmm. and he was uh, a, a wonderful guy, but a very, very sarcastic guy, I, I think he much would have rather been known as a, a great guitar player, because he, sure. he, said, he said to me point blank, you know, I'm as good a guitar player as Jimi Hendrix, and he was serious. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, but what he did, and did brilliantly, was, and there's nothing like that now. No. There's no satirist of the current you know, whatever the zeitgeist, you know, whatever the, the whether it be hip-hop, mm-hmm. um, maybe Tyler the Creator, but I doubt it, uh-huh. you know, um, uh, rock and roll. There's nobody out there that is, is looking at it, pointing and laughing. Sure. And there should be at least one person, I think. Yeah, that'd be nice. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be fun. Because, I mean, I'm sure it exists, too. I mean, it does exist with comedy, but at some point, I, I don't know if it makes me a dick to kind of get tired of people getting excessively meta and it's funny to say that talking about an album that is pretty meta but i do get a little tired of people picking apart comedy to the point where they're not making comedy anymore which Uh, what do you mean for instance uh well i can't give a first for instance i would say uh, i'm trying to think of somebody who maybe is more of a modern day andy kaufman but oh i dig okay that kind of thing and i know there are people but i can't because i ignore them no i can't uh, think of anybody right off the head I know what you're saying. Um, I completely agree, and um, I think the dumber, the better, so long as you're not being destructive or hurtful. Meaning, sure. sure. Uh, I don't think it's funny to, hey, I hear the new polio vaccine is out. Yeah, sure. You know, I, I don't think that's quite funny. Right. Uh, but um, dumb, as in, uh, for instance, the Tom Brady deflate gate thing. Mm-hmm. 
you know, that needs to be just absolutely destroyed. For you know, sure. I, 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 who cares? I do. I'm a football fan. Whatever. I'm not going to waste my time. It's not worth my day. It's not right. worth five minutes. Yeah. And uh, so all of that needs far more searing than it's getting. Mm -hmm. um, beyond that, you know, the, 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 who we are as people, man. I mean, the human, the human race, especially the, the American people themselves, have, are, must, be, must be strangling mm -hmm. on all of the confusion and near anarchy right now. And I'm sure that we are looking desperately for somebody who can make some sense out of this shit. And I, I think the way to do it is to get it back to, you know, the average person, just what makes us, uh, uh, what makes us complicit in all of this confusion. How sure. do we change that? You know, and, and uh, I'm not looking to change the world or anything, but <laughs> right. like last, last night on our show, I had a character on, Don Mix is a character I do, and he talks, he talks a little bit like Pete McCloskey used to as a congressman from the United States. I just love this accent, mm -hmm. you know, and he likes to say, this guy's from upstate New York. I was, hey, Don, how you doing? Uh, let's get a cup of coffee. And Don was talking, and he's saying, I think it's very important. Well, it turns out the way, because he talks that way, mm -hmm. he, I like to get right up close and personal and talk to people. And, uh, well, it turns out his breath is just foul, you know. <laughs> so while he's trying to make his point, you know, and uh, it's very important, I think, at this particular time. Uh, could you, and I had another character, Don, could you back off a little bit? What's, what's the, I don't understand. Well, you're, you know, it's, really, it's getting to me, man. What is that, gorgonzola? <laughs> I happen to like, yeah, I, I like gorgonzola cheese. Is there a problem there? You know, I mean, <laughs> you're not, you're not going to make your point, man, no matter how profound, if your breath is bad. And, <laughs> uh, you know, so, to me, man, that's. That's what it's all about. That's, yeah. the, that's the price of admission for me. So. All right, hold it right where you are. I'm Lieutenant Bradshaw with a piece of advice for you. Now, here in the studio, it's all knuckles and know-how. But when that red light goes off, I'm just plain Harry Ames, citizen and weekend father. Now, take a tip from a cop who does. Radio work can be just as dirty and exciting as hunting down public enemy number one. So when I get home, my old lady knows what I need and how. A warm, heaping bowl full of looseners castor oil flakes with real glycerin vibraphone. It doesn't just wash your mouth out. It cleans the whole system right on down the line. So come on, you little rookies. Tell your mom to get on it and do it every day. Just remember what the guys down at the precinct house sing. Oh, it ain't no use if you ain't got the boost. The boost you get from looseners. Looseners. The all-weather breakfast. And now we return you to Act Three of Nick Danger, Third Eye. Again, fire signs still around. Thank God, because it's yes. wonderful. It's wonderful stuff to listen to. It yes. is underexposed, so I do wonder, like, what about it? Like, I, I wonder, like, how the hell? Like, I, I do try and pitch it to other people, and I, a part of this is to be like. Okay, maybe you won't get it at first. Maybe you'll yeah. feel like some of this is over your head. Maybe you'll feel like, well, I wasn't alive in the '60s or '70s, so it's not going to be. But I, I feel like the there is there's more than enough silly. I mean, they somehow pull out of. They made me laugh way too hard at something that's <laughs> so offensive, and it's not. It's like because I knew how satirical it was. I mean, they used every yeah. they use every racial slur possible in this one song. Because it's supposed to okay, be celebrating yeah. America. And that irony right. is just like, oh, this is beautiful. This is wonderful. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, it's a little hard to separate yeah. the wheat from the chaff and tell who's laughing for the right reasons. But you hope so. You hope if you yeah. expose somebody to something like that that they yeah. get it. Yeah. And here's the thing. 
play that now, and mm -hmm. there's lots and lots of people who won't get it. Absolutely. And lots and lots of people that will therefore want to have you and me hung by our thumbs. Absolutely. And if they can find any of the Fireside Theater that are still alive, they'll hang them too. Mm -hmm. And when you try to explain it to them, you'll find yourself talking to idiots. <laughs> yep. And as the fires leap around us, and as we finally go up to our ultimate martyrdom, you know, we're, we're just watching. What are we seeing from? Where, where, what are we seeing from the stake that we're being burned at? Uh, a society that is, that is, is doomed itself with its own stupidity, or are we just looking at a at a microcosm that happened to catch us as we were running out of the village? I don't know. Right. Right. Um, I, I I do know that perception is everything. Mm -hmm. We are learning that, uh, and so if you want to get through to people, you have to make it clear, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. Firesign Theater is talking to a college-educated or a bunch of college students back in 1969, 1970. Every one of us got it. We're, we're laughing our ass off. We're going out. We're buying tickets to the next Firesign Theater. But take that theater beyond that. Take it into, put it on the Ed Sullivan Show or Holly or whatever was happening then. Sure. And now you get, now you got some problems. Yeah. You know, now yeah. you've got some, some problems in, uh, in interpreting that. So, I, I Yeah. You know, I good point. I, 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 <laughs> I do hope I, I do hope that there's 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 a way. I mean, here luckily they've got a web presence and they've got people passing their stuff down. Like my my uh, my late stepfather was stepfather fuck father-in-law jesus christ he was a dj and like he was so jealous of me interviewing fire sign the anybody from fire sign that i was like well wait a minute i feel like awesome I, yeah exactly right i mean he, he of course he interviewed cheech and chong back in the day and i was like well, are you kidding you're jealous of me like this is kind of mind-blowing to me yeah, so it, yeah. it's there is like it, there there are people who can at least speak for it and I, I, I there i'm just hoping that uh you know we can I spread think the word well, I think if you take fire, anything that Firesign Theater did that uh, uh, that addresses what you and I are talking about, Jason, mm -hmm. which is those those everyday bits of uh, of absurdity, uh, those things need to be highlighted mm -hmm. because they did they did address them. I think they became known, and I knew them for their cultural satire and political satire. Mm -hmm. um, but look, when I was growing up. Especially when I got into high school, college years, everybody was a Marx Brothers fan. Yeah, and I was I was a Laurel and Hardy guy, okay. and I'm not saying I'm superior to them because I was very much in the minority. Everybody, oh, Marx, the Marx Brothers were smart, and look at all that whack shit they did, <laughs> and uh, you know, Fredonia. Wow, how cool is that? And I'm laughing at Oliver Hardy getting a saw blade on his head. You know, I I, <laughs> I still do. Yeah. I still do, man. I believe the culture has followed me a little bit more than it has the people that were Marx Brothers fans, although I'm sure they would give us an argument. But I think that Laurel and Hardy's everyman humor, getting saw blades busted on their head or, you know, tripping over, uh, you know, a dog, is that's what comedy today, uh, that's what you laugh at, I think, more than perhaps the, um, the sophistication of a Marx Brothers. Sure. However, you know, they were the Marx Brothers, so who's to, you know, I can't, you know, certainly they haven't lost in any, right. their cachet at all. Yeah. Well, I've, although that, you know, they, they did luck out with a resurgence in the 70s. I mean, that's, that's one of the reasons yeah. probably why, I mean, it was, it was chic to like them. So that's, that would be. Oh, one. yeah, absolutely. And I wouldn't, probably wouldn't know who they were if it wasn't for that resurgence. And I'm, I mean, I would probably be more of a Marx Brothers guy than a Laurel and Hardy guy, but that's because I didn't grow up with Laurel and Hardy. The other thing is that the Marx Brothers survived. Laurel and Hardy died. Uh, sure. Oliver Hardy was gone by the 50s, mm -hmm. and Stan Laurel died in the 60s. 
Uh, Groucho Marx, on the other hand, was was alive through the pretty much the seventies and had a great right. uh, line. In fact, I'm sitting listening to the radio. I'm working at WBVM in upstate New York. Uh, I don't know what it was, the mid seventies, late seventies, and I'm listening to ABC Entertainment News where it came out that Richard Nixon's enemies list included Groucho Marx. Okay, <laughs> and Marx and. And Marx's quote was, I deny everything because, and this is the ABC News guy saying, when reached at his home, Groucho Marx said, I deny everything because everything I deny is a lie, end quote. You know? <laughs> so we, we still had Groucho hanging around and, uh, and uh, giving us, uh, and he hosted a game show. Right. My mother never missed You Bet Your Life, which uh -huh. was the Groucho Marx. It was a, who gave him that show and why? It was a stroke of genius because it was a fun damn show. And, For sure. Uh, yeah, Laurel and Hardy were strictly film actors, film comedians, uh, two-reeler comics who just happened to discover two characters that were entirely relatable, very real, mm -hmm. lots, of, lots of pathos going on there, and, uh, and great comic invention uh, in terms of just behavior, especially with Oliver Hardy and all the weird shit that he did. So I, I'm the kind of guy intellectually and I'm sitting in a room uh, like you Jason a bunch of people and we're all talking comedy and I would be afraid to say I wasn't a Marx Brothers fan because I didn't want I don't want people to throw shit at me right <laughs> right but if it's just if it's just you and me sitting down drinking beer mm -hmm. I'm a Laurel and Hardy I'm a Laurel and Hardy fan so I well and yeah. that's just the thing that's completely legit yeah. I mean I had to turn around on the, on the three stooges a couple years ago too and I had to be like all right you know what I, I get it I get it now <laughs> it's not my yeah. thing but like I can't shit no. on it anymore I used to shit on it yeah. and I'm like no that's just it's, is, yeah. again, I, I mean, I'm, uh, I don't know. I'm very picky about the shit I like, but, you know, I also, I can't shit on other people's taste anymore. I used yeah. to be a real you know, snob. Did you see the movie, the, the Three Stooges movie? No, I was scared it to was, see it. It was, oh my God, it was, it was fantastic. Really? It really was, yeah, All especially right. um, uh, Willie Sasso plays Curly. I love him. Just I love him. Oh my God, he was unbelievable. Uh, I have to say... It was a lot of. It was about. It wasn't a movie about the Three Stooges as men. And oh yeah, by the way, they were actors. It was. Mm -hmm. a, it was basically it took them and it created a whole new episode of their adventure. Right. Right. It's very funny. Very funny. All right. And, uh, I may have to give it a shot uh, now. It's, check it out. Just just if, if for no other reason than the acting, uh, the characterization of the three guys uh, is is pretty damn good, man. Yeah. And the and the movie ends with. Uh, uh, it's a shame. Da -da 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 -da. You know that song? Uh huh. Yeah. Well, the three—it's the three of them singing, <laughs> singing it. You That's know? awesome. It's a shame. Mo starts out, and then uh, Curly uh, wraps up. It's it's pretty funny. I, I realize we've gone far away from Firesign Theater. <laughs> no, I was about to pull us back. Don't worry. But I, I got to tell you, I think I think what we're talking about Firesign Theater is be right up their alley. You know, in terms of. Uh, who their influences were, you know. For sure. I mean, actually, yeah. what's interesting, too, is the uh, Phil Proctor's first al uh, uh, episode of the show was talking about Bob and Ray, and I was going to ask you if you ever listened to Bob and oh. Ray. I wasn't sure, because it's, it's, it's an older influence, obviously. It's Well, Bob it, and Ray were a radio show in New York. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so that right away, uh, Phil may have been... Phil's older than me. He might sure. have heard them when he was in college. I don't know. Where, is Phil from L.A., or is he from New York? Do you know? Ah, uh, shit. Somewhere in the Midwest, I believe. Yeah, so, I okay. should remember this. Probably heard Bob and Ray were a radio show. Mm -hmm. I didn't. There's two things, though, that I will forever remember Bob and Ray from, and they're both wildly hysterically funny, and they never fail to amuse me. And one of them, Bob and Ray were hired to do a Bell Brands potato chip commercial series. It's an old potato chip brand. Okay. And this is, this is Bob and Ray comedy at its finest. And 
Uh, hi, this is Bob and Ray, and we're here with Bell Brand Potato Chips and uh, Potato Chip Brand X. Now, we're going to put this Potato Chip Brand X in the tailpipe of this car. Okay, Bob, start it up. And the exhaust pours over the potato chip we have, Mr. Jones. All right, taste that potato chip. <laughs> yes. Well, what's it taste like? Guys, does it taste lousy? What do you think? Now try a Bell Brand Potato Chip. Well, of course it's good, but aren't you going to put it in a tailpipe, too? Thank you very much, Bell Brand. So that's the commercial. <laughs> I love it. Then the second thing they did was on Fires, or was on uh, Saturday Night Live where they did Do You Think I'm Sexy by Rod Stewart. They did their version, <laughs> dressed in business suits, mm -hmm. sitting with their legs folded as if they were at a shareholders meeting. And the three chicks behind them, Lorraine Newman, Jane Curtin, and uh, Gilda Radner, are doing all kinds of sexy bump and grind disco shit. <gasps> but when it goes to... Do you think I'm sexy and you want my body? They're just sitting there with their arms folded in business suits. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, if you had to see it to really appreciate it, but uh, the fact that it was taking Rod Stewart's, uh, you know, I hope my penis is evident in these tight pants kind of music. <laughs> and there they are looking like a couple of guys that are going to give you a bank loan. I love it. Uh, it was pretty freaking funny, man. So that's, that's so all I know of those cats. I always hate cops. Yeah, Nick. I hate cops, too. Yeah, me, too. I'll tell you guys what I'm going to do. I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm going to get even with every rotten cop in the city. Yeah, me, too. How are you going to do it, Nick? How are you going to do you it? You know what I'm going to do? No, no, what you going to do, Nick? I'm going to, I'm going to turn in my badge. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 I'm gonna burn my uniform. Hiya, friends. Ralph Sport, owner and operator of the world's biggest dealership, West of Baldwin. As you know, we're overdosed again with all tastes and kilos. Let's just take a look at some of these fabulous lids. The LaGuardia report says this key should be copped for $10,500. And easy money senses of a year to life and nobody done. Our complete price to you, including sticks and stems and seeds, wine soaked and sugar cured, completely clean for your smoking pleasure. Look Complete price. Only what the traffic will allow in unmarked bills delivered to me, Ralph Icebag, in a plain brown wrapper by a brown shoot square in the dead of night. That's funny and great, but it's as square as you can get, and that it yeah. influenced, uh, you know, Phil Proctor at the very least. And yeah, yeah. obviously the culture is going to inform what fire sign becomes, but then I'm. I'm curious. I want to know, and this is something that that it's it's real hard to track. Is I want to know what the undercurrent that they were writing and helping create the fire sign that is like how that influenced comedians specifically. Is there something like in your own work that you can peg as being something? Oh, this is very fire sign. Something that I've done or something that's clearly been influenced by that. Yeah. Oh, every day. Mm -hmm. uh, the my show is a fire sign theater style show there's a lot of characters going on there's a lot of bumping into each other uh there's a lot of of uh confused talk there's a lot of 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 there, there the zaniness i think of the show that i do and it's just myself i mean i'm doing five characters so i'm working my ass off you know right, and uh, right yeah you know i'm i think i'm gonna give myself a raise one of these days Good but idea. that that right there when i heard the mania of a fire sign theater i knew right away i wanted to do that mm -hmm. you know um the rest of it is is strictly born of you know that style you know that's that style sure. and that is something is is going to kind of exist but the rest of it is born of my own experience as a person mm -hmm. you know um, what I grew up with who I grew you know all these characters that I have reflect people that I knew in my life and uh, 
You know, but I, Fireside Theater is there first and foremost. And then I would say Laurel and Hardy is in there. And then I would say Lenny Bruce is in there. And then I would say that um, uh, I can't say the money Python's an influence because by the time I got into my professional world, I think I was pretty well, uh, I formulated, you know, what I thought was funny. Sure. Or at least, at least what was going to, you know, make me react. And it just so happened when I discovered Monty Python, I would say, oh, wow, look, at these guys are laughing at the same stuff I'm laughing at, mm -hmm. you know. Um, I think the funniest guys in the world are three. Um, well, I would, I would have to say, yeah, three of them. Right now, for me, are, are John Cleese, Bill Murray, and Fred Willard. Mm -hmm. And they may be three wildly divergent people, you know, but um, they all deal with the same thing, which is just the uh, absolute hysterically um, funny uh, mon and mundane world that we live in, you know. And, mm -hmm. and all the characters, the characters those guys play are not highly charged political. Sure. They're not playing the, they're not playing the dictator like Charlie Chaplin, you know. Sure. They're not prancing across the stage and bouncing the world on a ball they're they're on a golf course someplace yeah and they're 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 a college professor throwing a guy through a window they're a, you know and fred willard with that marvelous uh i mean just you all you have to do is turn a switch on and fred encapsulates everything phony about television right uh, personalities you know and, and what he does mm -hmm. so uh, anyway you know that um um those three guys as well, um, sort of influence, you know, how I do things. I'm not sure I answered your question, but... No, 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 um, you did. You, you did. I, it, we always meander a little. That's fine. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I, think, I think the other thing is that I, I'm absolutely sickened and fascinated and bored by and challenged by the flood of of uh, the, 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 the culture as it pounds its way into my living room every, way, every day by way of, of television. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, just, it's giving me, um, you know, look, uh, we finally come to a point where some things can't be satirized, you know, I, sure. that never happened in my life. Yeah. What, the Westboro Baptist Church, you cannot satirize that, you know. Right. Uh, Fred, all of that shit, it's just too weird. So where do you go with, with people like that? Right. Uh, what I, do you go, what do you do with that? Yeah. And also do you... How do you do it in that, like, what's the tone of doing it so that it's right? Because listening again, if you listen to this, you, you, the tone of Fire Sign doesn't, the tone doesn't speak satire. The content does. Mm -mm. The tone is yeah. like goofy acting, like overacting in a lot of cases, goofy, like just ridiculous, like not, not intentionally off point sometimes where they're, they sound yeah. like one guy might sound like he's reading where the other guy sounds like he's just, it's, it, 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 it's an intentional mixed bag. And the satire comes from that kind of disharmony, like, uh, which is, something, oh, I see what you're saying, man. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, cause a lot of times yeah. like, Oh really? Well, isn't that, fa but it's, it's kind of like this old timey radio feel to it. It's, it's, yeah. I could, I, that's one thing about fire sign that like, I can't peg them. I can't figure out. Well, what here, here's them. what I think is, here's what I think is going on there. I think it's, it, it, what I think is going on with Firesand Theater is something that I, I don't think can be done again. And the reason is this. What they had was suddenly an appetite, a, a, there was a, a market for or an audience for sending up the culture mm -hmm. and, and, and commenting on the culture. And the first thing that they thought to do was take this racist and warmongering and, and uh, you know, classist society that we're living in and sexist society we're living in and comment on it 
using this other thing that we've got, which was the TV and the radio of the time. It was very much, mm -hmm. I married you, I love Lucy, and it was all, so let's go ahead and jam that into that because it was radical and it seemed like, you know, the most effective way of, of putting this mirror up to the world and say, look at this, we're going to put it through I love Lucy. It's kind of like, you know, uh, Oliver, Storm's, uh, Oliver Stone's ham-fisted attempt there in uh, Natural Born Killers where he has that sitcom of daddy, you know, molesting the little girl, you know. Uh, okay, Oliver, good for you, man. I, I, I got that one, man, a long time ago, dude. You didn't really have to show me that. Uh, but at that time in the, in the 60s, that's exactly what, what was needed. That's exactly how you should do it. Mm -hmm. Take that goofy, asinine Hollywood Palace TV and thrust into it the uh, insanity of the world. Today, uh, we come from now, we're 40 years after that, and mm -hmm. that's been done over and over and over and over again. And now today you have a lot of thoughtful people like Louis C.K., mm -hmm. and there's kind of thoughtful, tight stand-up sets. There isn't a whole lot of theater going on out there in terms of, other than, you know, uh, improv theater. Um, because the zaniness, man, and the kookiness and the goofiness um, is almost like not real enough. I think sure. we need to I think people want their comedy where you sit down and stare across the table and and say something really funny that's life-changing too. Yeah, I was you know, thinking and, kind of the same thing. It's it's not it's yeah. not dissimilar to the way, you know, just straight up acting, what we accept as acting has uh, developed and also the fact that most movies now are based on something either that already exists or had to have happened in real life or we won't buy it. Which is so strange to me because that's that's mm -hmm. like we we can't separate ourselves long enough to enjoy something unless it's super real, which is not yeah. really the point. Well, uh, you know, fiction um, has taken a backseat to the documentary, hasn't it? And uh, yeah. and and you know, I, I I had an acting teacher once who said to us, uh, it was after the Challenger exploded. Mm -hmm. And it had been on television, and they showed the mother and father of Christina, uh, Christy McAuliffe, who was the teacher. It showed the mother and father and the reaction to that oh. shuttle blowing up. And the reaction, they were smiling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They, they, didn't, they didn't know what they were seeing. They thought, oh, wow, that, that was interesting, and, yeah. and I guess it's the second stage. And they continued to smile, and only gradually did they look around them and see the other people reacting, did they begin to, the smile didn't disappear, but now the worried edges around the eyes began to appear. Mm -hmm. And the sort the, the mouth became tighter as they looked and they, and, and you could see them. And, and I remember my teacher, a guy named Daryl Hickman saying, that's the kind of acting you're gonna have to do because that's what people are seeing. People are more and yeah. more and more exposed to the real world. Mm -hmm. So you can't, you can't help it, man. You know, I know what you're saying, uh, Jason, I really do. But the people out there have been exposed to God Almighty, man. Look at the car. I mean, you've we've seen it on TV. A guy blowing his brains out on the freeway out here in the Marina Freeway. Mm -hmm. We see uh, every kind of horrific violence you can dial up on YouTube. Um, mm -hmm. you, you, so how can you do it any other way? Sure. sure. Where if you're going to give people fantasy, you have to connect it somehow. It has to be a fantasy that's attainable. Mm -hmm. That's that can happen. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna write fiction. It has to be fiction that resonates absolutely with the reality. One of the best movies, and I haven't heard anybody say this, so this will be a new, new one for you. One of the best movies I've seen in the last five or six or seven years is Michael Clayton, George Clooney's movie about an attorney who's a fixer, a guy that oh, goes yeah. in. I loved it. Um, it's completely made up. But somehow that man, the struggles of his life, the loyalty he has to his friends... Mm -hmm. The uh, the beauty of the writing and the acting was so r relatable to me. I I it could very well have happened. Sure, you know, 
because those performers carried it through for me. So I, let's let's put it this way: whatever anybody is doing out there in art, they got to be damn good for it to uh, rise to the top. Oh yeah. Know? Yeah, absolutely. And that and that, that that gets to another one of my favorite speeches, as long as I'm just hogging all this time here. And Jason, <laughs> you're being so polite. These four guys listening to me. We have lots and lots of paintbrushes and lots and lots of canvas and lots and lots of sketchbooks and lots and lots of, of, of uh, palettes with paint. But we still only have one Rembrandt, one Picasso, and one Da Vinci. And uh, now we have lots and lots and lots of podcasts, lots and lots of little video cameras, lots and lots of YouTubes. But there still is going to be a very limited number of real artists with those things. Mm -hmm. You know, like, like Charles Bukowski said, you know, God made many poets, but not enough poetry. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, we need to, you know, kind of get, get with that one, man. You know, um, there's a lot of noise out there right now. For sure. Lots of noise, and uh, somebody somewhere needs to shut up. Probably me. <laughs> All right. What an outline. <laughs> well, You're a good man for listening. but uh, No, this is the kind of stuff that we like to do. And nor Honestly, if it wasn't you, it would be me rambling about what I okay. think art is about. So okay, cool. I think people are sick of me saying it. So it's good to have somebody else do it. Who, you know, it justifies all my bullshit thoughts. It's good. Well, I'm, I'm glad when you said a comedy album, the first one that came to my mind was All Hail Lennon Marks mm -hmm. and Firesign Theater in general. Nothing else. I, I thought briefly about David Fry and some of the other cats that influenced, uh, you know, sort of made me laugh, but mm -hmm. these guys were it for me, yeah. If you're going to recommend this album, I mean, like I said, I know you said the Nick Danger thing was probably the thing that stuck out about this one. If you're going to recommend this album to somebody or just recommend Firesign to somebody who hasn't heard of them or heard them, how do you make them listen to it? What would you say? Jeez, oh, <laughs> this is the birth of modern satire. I, I, that's you know that word satire. What you got? You, you you really got me on that one, Jason. Because <laughs> I, I realize now the word satire means nothing to most people. They don't know what For it is. For sure. It, yeah, it, people think they're just being funny is, is satire. Yeah. Um, you know, the best definition of satire I ever heard was uh, Gary Trudeau said it was uh, you know comedy with a point of view. Mm -hmm. um, I would say. This is the birth of of stoner humor. <laughs> That's very that. true. Yeah. That's, I, yeah, everybody who's ever turned me on to them, I'm certain. <laughs> I had I mean, to have heard yeah. them at one time or another stoned, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's no doubt. And I was like, well, this is why you like that then, because yeah. I didn't get it. I, you know, I just totally, <laughs> that, that makes zero sense. But it does. It, it, it might take, I don't, I don't like to say that things are an acquired taste. I think it's something where you just have to, you have to just, you just yeah. got to listen to it. You just got to yeah. give it a shot. Yeah, I think I think if people are interested in uh, uh, how things come about, I think the birth of stoner humor, uh, this is it, man. You can mm -hmm. go and say, well, you know, Firesign probably uh, were influenced as as all of us were at one way or another by Lenny Bruce or mm -hmm. or Lord Buckley or people like that. But this here was the first mass produced stoner humor that your parents let you have, not knowing really what it was. Absolutely. You know? and, Oh, that's nice. There's Carl. Look at that. That's Groucho Marx. Huh? You know, it, that's what they thought. So, <laughs> I was actually going to ask you about Buckley, just given his, uh, you know, both of your penchants for voice switching. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Uh, that might be a good conversation for another time. But sure. I, uh, thank you for doing this. For for uh, one, and thank I'm, you, Jason. Sorry, I ran so late. Apologies. No, for that. I, no problem. <laughs> um, no problem at all, man. 
where do people find you online? I know it's obvious, but why don't you tell them anyway? Well, we we are at Podcast One now. That's the platform, you know. Uh, but we're also, the best way to find us is at www.philhendryshow.com. There's a big fat button in the middle of the page that gives you our daily podcast. There's a huge, marvelously wonderful index of our uh, all of the shows we've done down through the last 20 years, just about 20,000 hours. And uh, wow. we have a chat feature that uh, we do on, on Friday nights. I talk to everybody in a comment section, uh, and it's a lot of fun. And uh, and I'm very grateful for the time you gave us here, Jason. I appreciate it and uh, look forward to more of your show. And uh, love, talking, love talking about comedy, man, because it's God almighty. If laughter is not a religion, I don't know what is. You know, to I, me, I'm, it's... <laughs> you know what I'm saying, brother? I do. I absolutely yeah. do. Yeah. Um, again, thank you for doing this. Um, this is this is a lot of fun. I should also thank let you. you know that Phil Proctor did tell me to tell you that he's a fan of yours as well. Oh, I'm and sure I'm a fan know, of him. Yeah, and know? I wanted to ask you to say hello to him. And I, yes, thank you very, very much. Uh, let him know from another um, Phil. I, I I'm tell him that I'm in awe and I'm you know forever grateful for that. I really am. Where are you located, man? I'm in Burbank. Oh, cool. You're okay. Fine. I thought you were out in. The last one, I uh, last podcast I did, the cat was in Fort Wayne, Indiana. You know, I was like, <laughs> really? Well, what we should do is have some coffee. Well, I'm in Fort Wayne, Phil. Oh, sorry. I don't know. Very uh, cool. Very well, cool. Um, thank you guys for listening. Check out Firesign Theater. Go yeah. listen to Phil Hendry. And as always, have a good thing. Comedy on Vinyl is a production of Stolen Dress Entertainment. It is produced by Mike Warden and is hosted and edited by Jason Klom. Our theme song was composed and performed by Richard Levinson. Please visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, read our blogs, read our tweets, watch our videos, and read our books. Please subscribe on iTunes, and if you like us, give us a five-star rating and a nice review. You can find us on Facebook.com slash Comedy on Vinyl, Twitter at Comedy on Vinyl, and find everything else at ComedyOnVinyl.com. their DVDs stacked everywhere. Hello? Kiki, is that you, girl? I can't see you. Ari, where are you? Damn it! Dan? Ari, thank God. What, what happened to you? Oh, the S-pile fell on me. I'll be okay. But, but your arm is gone! Oh, yeah, that. I just, I had to cut it off to free myself. All these DVDs are a hazard to the health of all of us. I mean, why did you even buy all of these? Well, I'll tell ya. The arm thing doesn't work without an arm. I know. I blame the blood loss. Listen to the Why Did I Buy This podcast every other Thursday on iTunes, on WDIBT.com, or find us on StolenDress.com.